0: Joining us for a conversation is the founder of Dan Hurd Prospecting. Our guest is also YouTube's favorite gold prospector, Mr. Dan Hurd. Mr. Hurd, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Well, thank you for accommodating us with your busy schedule. I understand you've been in and out of the field as of late. Before we delve into today's conversation, Mr. Hurd, tell us about yourself and some of your prospecting accomplishments which have led to production.
1: Well, Maurice, uh, as you can see, uh, I'm in a cheap motel right now, and that's kind of typical for uh, my uh, road trips. I go from spot to spot, uh, living my life out of motels, which is not ideal. But, uh, yeah, I have claims all over the uh, interior of British Columbia that I uh, visit all the time uh, to do either YouTube videos uh, or prospecting of, you know, for purposes in the future, moving things down the the line. Uh, My biggest accomplishment, well, my biggest accomplishment is for sure my YouTube channel. Now, that's not really a uh, prospecting accomplishment. That's more of an an entertainment accomplishment. Uh, But as far as prospecting accomplishments go, I have managed to find myself some fairly good ground over the years. I have gone through hundreds and hundreds of claims looking for that really nice ground. And I have managed to find some pretty good ground, a couple of small-scale placer operations that have actually gone through permitting and run machine operations on. I currently have a large-scale placer operation uh, in the sort of initial stages, and I'm really excited about that one. It's up on the Quesnel River, very rich placer area. And I guess my biggest accomplishment, my biggest find would definitely be the ocean picture stone that's a lapidary stone beautiful blue chalcedony that uh, creates these scenes that look like uh, ocean scenery and that is definitely the biggest mining or prospecting accomplishment of mine is that one site
0: and i just have to say i absolutely love the beard
1: <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> i probably don't need to keep the hat on i mean i'm in indoors but you know I, gotta have, I have to show my uh, costume here, so let's get rid of the hat. <laughs> All right.
0: Now, you have quite an impressive resume as a prospector, and you have a huge YouTube following. Can you tell us more about your channel a little bit? Sure,
1: yes. Uh, I've had it for about 10 years, about 10 years I've been developing my YouTube channel, and I have grown that channel to be the largest mining and prospecting channel on YouTube. Uh, I have one point, oh, I think of like 1.1 million uh, subscribers on the channel. Uh, millions of views every day and uh, it, it is my biggest focus point of my prospecting career is educating people online about mining, prospecting, minerals, geology, the hobby of gold panning and the industry of mining. And that is where my focus really is, is that educational and entertainment on YouTube online.
0: Now, for our audience members, I realize that the video looks a little glitchy. Understand that Mr. Hurd is in a, in a relatively uh, obscure location where the signal may not be that strong. So just bear with us. We know it's glitchy. <laughs> All right, now, <laughs> I
1: apologize for that. Yes.
0: No, completely understood here, sir. Now, the natural resource space is very niche-specific, and there's a lot of ambiguity out there. And I'm going to share a quick testimony. When I first got into the space, my understanding of mining was very naive. I thought a geologist found some rocks on the surface, then they drilled a little bit, and they built a mine. Not understanding the entire model from prospecting to exploration, development, and production. Now, today we're going to learn more about prospecting, an important and vital starting point in exploration that leads to discoveries, which leads me to ask... Mr. Hurd, what exactly is a prospector slash prospecting and where do you fit in the mining cycle?
1: Well, the typical, what people would think of as a prospector, going out there and smashing rocks and gold panning, that kind of stuff, seems to be the very beginning step of the whole mining cycle. But I'd actually say that there is one step before that, and that is the history. Uh, There is no square inch of my province, British Columbia here, that hasn't been stepped on by a prospector sometime in history. I am absolutely amazed at where those early prospectors actually went. And they recorded a lot of their information. And what guides me into the spots that I want to go and check out is usually the history, the old reports, the stories the places that people have found gold or minerals before are the best places to look for minerals, gold, today. And I would say that even though a prospector seems to be the first step in it, that the knowledge is actually the first step, and the prospector is the second step. And from there, yes, it gets into a very complicated uh, procedure that ideally at the end, at the very end, turns into a mine site. But there's so much between a prospector and the final mine. It's mind blowing. And yes, you're right. There is the ambiguity that people don't necessarily understand what goes into making a mine. Uh, recently, one of my videos I did with Grizzly Discoveries uh, just uh, a few weeks ago was I went out with a couple of their prospectors and I tried to explain that whole early process of prospecting a junior exploration company, what they have to go through before they can even think the word mine. Um, So, And the whole idea of that video was to try to just get that information out there so people maybe understood a little bit more that there's a lot to it. Another great thing about this partnership I've got in with Grizzly Discoveries and put the correct permits in, they work with the ministry all the time, so they're going to make sure that all the right permits are in and it's something they do on a daily basis so it's easy for them where it's a lot of work for me. Well I am so excited about this partnership and I think that mine is going to produce a lock in real short order. Thank you so much. Awesome. I am happy to have a partnership with you Grizz. Left the left is heart-to-heart heart. <laughs> and if you want to get in on the action as i said grizzly discoveries is traded publicly on the tsx tsx T- uh otc and then in frankfurt germany Our symbols uh gzd in canada gzdif in uh united states and g6h in uh
0: and Frankfurt and Now you referenced, you do a lot of research on historic mines. What do you say to the person that says, hey, that's a historic mine. They've been there. They've done that. There's nothing left there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I tell them they're totally wrong. <laughs> uh, mines or prospects were abandoned back in the day for a huge variety of reasons. Maybe the cost of the gold or silver or minerals at the time wasn't enough to warrant a mine. Uh, back in the war days, World War I and World War II saw a lot of sites abandoned. They needed the people, the resources, whatever, for the wars. And a lot of mine sites were just up and walked away from. And uh, those still have very viable deposits in them the prospectors or mining companies at the time may have run out of money the old prospector may have died uh, there's all sorts of reasons that those old sites were left and a lot of them still contain a lot of minerals now and technology well, one of the technology yes. has changed we can get um gold copper silver anything out of material that back in the day they might have left because it was just too difficult. Our technology can uh, do amazing things today. We are mining copper deposits that are very low grade uh, because we know how nowadays to get that low grade copper out of these huge masses of uh, rock that back in the day they would just have walked away from.
0: Now, as a prospector, you do something that's called staking. What is staking?
1: Uh, Staking a claim. Uh, Every jurisdiction has its own terminology and way of staking mineral rights on land. Here in British Columbia, we call them claims, which is quite typical. And uh, our whole staking procedure is all online now. It's not the prospector out in the fields hammering a post into the ground and putting a little mail tag on it anymore. Now it's all done online, and uh, what we do is we find a piece of ground that we're interested in, go online, we sort of draw out the area we want, and we stake it digitally. Then we walk out to that chunk of land and do our prospecting on it. Typically, we don't these days prospect a chunk of land before we claim it, uh, because any chunk of land that has any potential is highly sought after. Everyone wants it. So you're, it's kind of like a lottery trying to grab that piece of land and bit of a gamble because when you get out there, you don't know what you're going to find necessarily. And uh, sometimes you win, sometimes, you'll, well, most often you don't. But uh, we go through hundreds, if not thousands of claims looking for that really good ground. And these days, it's all digital.
0: Now, am I mistaken, if you have a historic mine, should that not already been staked? Or is that actually, do you find it that, hey, that's actually available?
1: Uh, as I said, anything that has any potential has been staked. Mm-hmm. And what a, what a modern prospector here in British Columbia is doing is they're waiting for that ground to free up. Whether it is the company that owns it's decided it's not for them and they let it go. Or maybe the owner of that historic site passed away and his family didn't want to keep it, so they let it go. Yeah, sometimes it's just a mistake in paperwork. You have to maintain these claims and keep doing paperwork year after year. And if you forget to do that paperwork, it's possible that um, you can lose that site, and then another prospector jumps on the opportunity, grabs it, and gets out there looking for that shiny gold
0: (laughs) interesting introspective here now you and i have a relationship with grizzly discoveries and uh you recently signed an option agreement with grizzly discoveries for land you prospected and staked in the prolific greenwood mining district which includes 25 not 24 and not 26 (laughs) that that's quite impressive 25 historic mines uh can you give us an overview of what the option agreement entails and also, tell us about the, the the project in and of itself. Sure thing.
1: Uh, the Greenwood
0: Mining District is
1: amazing, freaking amazing. And I would say that there's actually more than 25 there. There okay. are 25 mines. There are hundreds and hundreds of prospects, adits, mine shafts, uh, facilities. The hills above Greenwood are littered with old mining. And it is amazing. You can't go for a hike up into the hills without finding some evidence of the mining that's happened back there. That one mountain that has the the big Phoenix mine on it—that's a whole big historic mine—is uh, so unbelievably rich. I'm I'm sure someday they're going to just remove that whole mountain and mine the whole mountain because there's so much in it. <laughs> but uh yeah the option agreement that i have with grizzly uh is a very complicated one actually the first one i have two of them now one of them is still in the paperwork stage uh but the original one is a bit complicated because it overlaps my ocean picture stone quarry the um that's that fancy blue rock that you know selling that blue rock pays for everything i do uh, so I wasn't able to just sign over the whole chunk of ground in the option agreement to Grizzly because I had to keep that one chunk for my own purposes. So it's a bit of a complicated option agreement. But in case anyone out there doesn't know what an option agreement is, it's basically it's a legal contract that allows Grizzly Discoveries to prospect and do their exploration on my piece of ground. And if they find something that they like there, they have the option in the future to purchase it outright. And uh, the option agreement uh, with Grizzly is, I, I don't know how many acres. It, it's a bit, fairly large chunk of gra- ground. It encompasses three or four different claims, all above Greenwood, above Rock Creek and Greenwood. And uh As I said, it's a bit complicated because we have to actually separate out the lapidary stone from the metal potential, the metal minerals that are there. So the chunk of land, I maintained all ownership of any lapidary stone or any uh, quarryable stone. And uh, Grizzly, if they exercise their option, will have 100% access to all the metals in the ground. And with... I was just going to say, with that, you know, they pay me some money for the uh, option to prospect it for those years. If they want it at the end, they pay me some more money. And I also got some stock options through it. So I've got some stock in Grizzly Discoveries because of that option agreement.
0: Well, it sounds like a win-win proposition. Now, you have a number of exploration companies that are in contact with you, and they're watching over your shoulder to see what you're prospecting. have to ask you, sir, why did you partner with Grizzly Discoveries on these claims, and what results from your prospecting do you think brought Grizzly to to the table?
1: Well, that was a bit of, um, you know, just luck of the draw. Um, the situation that we found ourselves in, I have a really good friend that works for Grizzly Discoveries. Uh, his name is Sebastian, Sebo C- we call him. And uh, he works there. And at one point, Grizzly, the, the CEO of Grizzly Discoveries, uh, asked Sibo who this Dan Hurd guy was. And so Sibo explained to him. And uh, and by the way, you're referring us, to
0: the, You're referring to the Grizz.
1: The Grizz, yeah. Yes. Grizz, CEO of Grizzly <laughs> Discoveries, exactly. Yeah. And uh, so Sibo got us and in, in connected us there. The. chunk of land i had up there was something that grizz was interested in because he owned everything around it and i had these little pockets within his land and of course he wanted that he knows how rich that ground is and uh one of the historic mines that's on my ground the midway mine was a very intriguing target for them So they got us talking, and uh, what happened is I I was talking with Grizzly and said, well, these are some things that I cannot give up, the quarry, basically. Mm -hmm. I cannot give up that. The Midway Mine, I don't have the ability, the skills, the resources to turn that into a mine. So I can't take that any farther than it already is. I knew what was there. We already did the assays. We did everything. We knew what was there, but I couldn't take it any farther. And between Grizz and I, we came up with this agreement that he was going to help me develop my quarry. He's actually going to put in permits. Uh, He's got the relationships with the First Nations. He's got the relationship with the government. He's going to help me develop the quarry and get a lot of rock out. And in exchange, I'll give him the Midway Mine within the option agreement, obviously. And uh, it turned out really well for the two of us, that one agreement... There probably was, I'm sure there were other uh, junior companies that were looking at that ground, but because of my relationship with SIBO and then my relationship with Grizz, that was the one I decided to go with, and it's turned out to be a great relationship. In fact, we've got another option agreement on the go right now for some other land in that whole area, and Grizz is great in supporting me. Uh, with my YouTube channel, give me ground to go and do videos on. I needed some minerals that I sell on my... I have a website where I sell uh, mineral specimens. Mm-hmm. I ran out of some galena. I had no more galena. So Grizz said, hey, go to this site. We got lots of it that, that up there. So it's been a great relationship. We're, we're both benefiting from this relationship. It's sort of a net positive for both of us. And I'm sure there are other junior exploration companies out there that I could have had a great relationship with. But luck of the draw led me to Grizzly, and uh, I am very happy he's the one that uh, I ended up going with.
0: Well, I'm glad it's mutually beneficial here. What do you find exciting about the prospects of future exploration and development in these Greenwood area claims?
1: Oh, well, as I said, that one mountain is so rich. It's crazy what's up there. Um, I've got. I went just last week to check out some of Grizz's ground on some other sites that I hadn't been to. Uh, again, collecting mineral specimens for my website, and uh, I just blown away, absolutely blown away by the amount of mineralization in the tailings piles, the mullet piles, the just garbage from these old mines. They are so rich that I'm sure you could just go and mine their garbage from back you know in the 1800s and make a profit so I am really excited to go up in those hills and start looking at more of his ground and of course trying to get more ground up there there's always other companies letting ground go for whatever reason and I'm very happy to try to grab that for my own purposes and of course for our partnership with Grizzly.
0: Now before we leave grizzly discoveries uh, allow me to share their website that's going to be www.grizzlydiscoveries.com their ticker symbol on the tsxv is g z d and on the otcqb it's g z d i f now leaving grizzly discoveries with many forecasts predicting a surge in gold and silver prices in the near future how do you see this affecting prospecting and exploration interest
1: well, I think I think it's already affected it. I think there's enough people out there that realize how big this is gonna explode really soon that uh, everyone's trying to get in on the game. Everyone's trying to find that one niche that works for them, whether it's staking ground, prospecting, uh, becoming a drilling company, uh, whatever it might be. I think everyone's trying to get in on this early because they can see what is about to happen this world is going to need so much metal in the next 10 20 years that we don't even come close to mining enough of it right now now we don't need to get into the debate about electric cars and electrification uh obviously that is going to drive a lot of it but just the fact that third world countries are developing so much that the infrastructure the u.s power grid is in such dire need of uh, upgrade that the whole power grid's about to collapse down there if they don't start building new transmission lines mm-hmm. well those take enormous amounts of metals mostly copper and we're just not bringing that stuff out of the ground right now uh so the demand to get new minds online fast is so huge that I think everyone sees where it's going and is trying to get in on it. It does make some things more difficult for those for the, those of us that are already on, on the path because uh, there's more competition now. But I guess competition is a good thing.
0: But uh, I think it's about to explode and I think it already is. Well, if I could surmise what you just said there, to anyone watching this uh, video right now, you're in the right place at the right time. <laughs> yes. yes. All right, Mr. Hurd, it's been an uh, absolute pleasure speaking with you here. Last question for you. What did I forget to ask? <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> about 10,000 things. Obviously, you can't <laughs> cover everything in a in a short little interview like this. But there are so many aspects of this career, this hobby, this field that people don't know. People just don't even think to think about it. Uh, there's so much out there. And I think it's important for, if you're interested in this at all, to educate yourself. Mm-hmm. Obviously, hey, sure, I'll, I'll throw a plug up there. Go watch my channel. See if you can get educated that way. Otherwise, you know, go online, go talk with people. There's so, so much to learn out there. What would you forget to ask me? Well, you told me ahead of time that you weren't going to give me any gotcha questions, any tough questions, and I appreciate that. But <laughs> I don't think there are any tough questions. I think there's just questions that people might not understand enough to understand the answer. What's the toughest thing? I think there's the there's probably the question that you miss, is what's the toughest thing about what I do? And I think the toughest thing about what I do is... The public opinion, reading comments on YouTube channel, always makes me <laughs> oh. frustrated. Uh, let well, here's an example, and there's thousands of them. I get comments all the
0: time about how miners are ruining the environment. Oh yes, go for it, sir. the The floor is yours. Take your time. Just vent, sure. vent. <laughs> vent.
1: okay. Well, I'm sure the, person that, uh, the people that are making these comments are sitting in their electric vehicle on their smartphone, saying how the miners are destroying the environment. Well, they wouldn't even have the technology they need to make that comment if it wasn't for miners yes. mining the ground. There's about a gram of gold in every cell phone. If we're not there mining the gold, those people don't have cell phones to make those angry comments on. Electric vehicles? My goodness, the minerals that go into that is just mind-blowing what goes into one of those. Well, let's not even talk, talk about electric vehicles. Let's just talk about a regular gas car. The It takes miners to run the society the way it is. So people out there that think that the miners are destroying the environment, maybe they have to look in a mirror a little bit. It's the consumers that drive the miners to do what they do. And if you are that concerned about what's going on out there, maybe look at the consumer side of things, not the mining side of things you, know, there you There's my venting for the day. Well,
0: my, my I, if I may add on to that, I always see a picture of a third world country and they talk about slave labor and I always then depict, okay, you're saying this is location A, but we don't know it is location A. Then you're sharing that it's slave labor. There's no one using a gun. These are people that are working. They may be in a third world country and I completely get it and I wouldn't want to want to be in those conditions. But you're not discussing the, you know, that... Who owns that mine? always There's no company that owns that mine, and what's the supply chain of that mine getting to your car? They omit all those factors and appeal to the emotion, and it's frustrating because it's, that's actually a great example of what we often hear as disinformation. So I'm glad you're coming on to clarify some of the air onto that because we need some clarity and some understanding here. Now, you referenced getting education on your channel for someone that wants to learn more about Dan Hurd Prospecting. Please share the website address and your YouTube channel.
1: Sure. If you go into YouTube, um, just search for Dan Hurd Prospecting or Dan Hurd. Yeah. It will be the first thing that comes up. Uh, It is the largest mining and prospecting channel on YouTube there. If you want to go check out my uh, website, it's www.danherdprospecting.com. And on there, I do have a link to all my videos, plus the uh, mineral store where we sell uh, mineral specimens, my ocean picture stone, some jewelry, some finished products. Basically, anything that I find in my adventures probably makes it onto my store on the website www.danherdprospecting.com
0: Well you just sold me I'm on my way there now (laughs) (laughs) Well Mr. Hurt it's been a pleasure speaking with you wishing you your prospecting and your partnership with Grizzly Discoveries the absolute best sir
1: Thank you so much Maurice The information presented on Proven and Probable